Welcome again to another edition of Stargate Sundays here on Seven Days to Rock and Stone Guardians. Today How's it we're going, Kev? Oh, I'm pretty good, Ryan. As you can see, we finally reached the lowest rated episode of SG1, which means it can only go up from here, which is nice. Uh, this is literally, I've said the last couple of weeks, my least favorite episode to watch. Not because of the, not necessarily because of the misogynistic inclinations that come with it. It's the fact that they did so terribly with Agent Carter's beginnings. We're, we're barely into her character arc, and they're already kind of screwing it up. Thankfully, they write the ship, but we sort of have to deal with it being a rewatch series and all. It, this episode is. It's difficult to watch. It, it's like we'll get more into it, but that's that's what I'll say about it right now. It is not hard. It's so I'm gonna. I, I plan. Uh, I think I've decided that we should go with rating each episode with rewatchability, and we should start with this one, which is a good one to start with in terms of rewatchability. On a scale of one to five, they're right. Where where are oh. you putting this one? I would say one, maybe one point five maximum. Like if you believe that, like when you rewatch something, you have to rewatch every episode. I guess I'd say one point five, but like this is a this is a one. This, this is, is a solid one. The only reason to rewatchable. ever watch yeah. this, you only watch it once, and you can totally skip it. I would suggest just rereading it if you're going to be diehard about it. Reread the synopsis slash summary on Stargate Wiki. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's really all you need after you've seen this the first time. Yeah, don't don't bother. Just read it on Stargate Wiki the second time around. First time around, you gotta watch it. Second time around, definitely not. So. Let's start with uh, original air date on this one is August 8th, 1997. Do you even remember what you were doing then? August 8th, 1997. That would have been... That would have been the beginning of middle school for me. Yeah, seventh grade. Okay, okay. Doing awkward seventh grader things, I'm sure. I was seven years old. I was barely into first grade, I think. Nice. Maybe second grade. I think second grade at that point, but what are you going to do? So this one was written by Catherine Powers. Now, Catherine Powers, I mentioned before in an an earlier podcast, uh, she also wrote a few episodes for Star Star Trek The Next Generation. Just... (laughs) Interestingly enough, she also wrote the Code of Honor for Star Trek Next Generation. Now, Mm -hmm. I've mentioned the Code of Honor before as being the exact same, if not shot-for-shot remake of Emancipation. So, she tried this episode in 1987 called the Code of Honor. It is the least worst-rated episode for Star Trek The Next Generation, believe it or not. Have you uh, ever, do, you, do you remember I, this one? I don't remember that episode. Well, uh, let's get. I'll give you. I'll tell you exactly what happens in that in that episode. So, the Code of Honor episode is where 
The USS Enterprise D has traveled to Ligon 2 for a vaccine found only on that planet, which is needed to cure a plague on the Federation planet uh, Styrus 4. Uh, Captain Picard has to negotiate with the Lagonian leader Lutan for said vaccine. Picard, Troy, and Riker meet up with Natasha Yar in Cargo Bay 1. They greet the Lagonians. While traveling to the cargo bay in a turbo lift, Riker and Troy inform Picard that the Lagonians are a closely humanoid race, similarly to human culture, as well as an extremely proud race of people with a highly structured society. This is the one, essentially, where Lutan uh, becomes infatuated with Tashiar and wants to make her his first wife. Uh, and at the end, uh, his eventual first wants to become his actual first, and Tasha and her end up fighting it pretty much to the death. In this case, a lot of people said it had a lot of heavy racial implications, not necessarily on purpose. It also had a lot of very misogynistic uh, viewpoints of said races. It was a terrible overall episode, and not very many people cared for it. And it kind of ends the same way that Emancipation will end. I'm not sure if you're if this is ringing any bells for you. <laughs> yeah, uh, it sounds a little familiar. It sounds and, a lot uh, like uh, Emancipation, which is it, very it interesting. So kind of like Emancipation. I'm not going to diss Catherine Powers based on just these two things alone. What I am going to diss her on is a little bit of lazy writing. All she really well, I did feel was... like she she could like dip back because that's like exactly ten years before this episode came out, Emancipation. Exactly, uh, Code of Honor is nineteen eighty seven, so it's like well, I don't know, just dip back a little bit. Basically, she yeah. just she just stole. This was before the days of the internet, so she just essentially stole her old script and rewrote it, retweaked it a tad for the newest generation of 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 younglings who wanted to watch some sci fi. Well, it's like, speaking of school, like, you get assigned the same topic sometimes for, like, papers. So, like, it's like going back and grabbing that paper and, like, changing one thing and then resubmitting it. Exactly. That's just sad and, and dumb. And Like I said, I'm not dissing Catherine Powers because I don't know any of her other work other than what she's done for Stargate and The Next Generation, but... Solely based on that, I would have to say she's not in my favorite repartee of writers, for sure. So, having said that, a little bit of interesting stuff. She wrote two of the worst sci-fi episodes for two of some of the best uh, original series um, that I've ever seen in terms of science fiction. So, let's, let's just, just go on from there. Other than, other than the fact that these are the two worst-rated episodes. Um, <clears throat> let's go over a little bit of the synopsis. Uh, I hope it's not screwing you up that we're at technically episode 1.04 at all. Uh, I mean, frankly, the way Netflix has it is a little confusing if you're going by that type of like division. Uh, so, like, the first episode that's on Netflix is basically, <laughs> like, three episodes. Yeah. And then so, you have Emancipation. Yeah. This one is uh, episode three. 
on Netflix, but technically it's the fourth episode of the series. It'll get it'll get better once we reach uh, season two, which is in eighteen episodes. So strap in there, Rye. <laughs> so we've got some rough, rough ground to cover. Yeah, exactly. But thankfully, in an episode or two, we're going to be getting into the really good stuff. The reason that this was such a great series. The reason they greenlit a second season. Exactly. Exactly. Because okay. the first three, well, the first two episodes certainly weren't doing any any justice. No. So the very first episode is okay. The very and first episode was was bureaucracy. The episode was a great premise. You basically have what's a similar premise to Sliders, except it's on different planets. Although I think Sliders came out after this. So Sliders is like at least a couple seasons after this. Let me look up exactly when Sliders came. It, out. I, it pretty sure it started in the nineties. Pretty sure nineteen ninety five. Oh, so this actually so Sliders actually started before oh, yeah. Stargate. Mm-hmm. Okay, Interesting. there we go. Yeah. Oh. I knew it was right around the same time. I didn't know how close. So yeah, it's a, it's a similar premise to although technically Stargate the movie came out in 95, 96. Or it's 94, 94. So Brad Wright technically did beat Sliders to the whole thing. They just went a different route than Stargate did. Mhm. Yeah. All right, so uh, into the synopsis of this particular episode, I'm going to read it from Stargate Wiki on stargate.fandom.com. On the seemingly peaceful planet of Samarka, the team encounter a race of Mongol-like humans whose women have no rights whatsoever. Things turn from bad to worse when the team realizes Captain Samantha Carter has been kidnapped and sold to an enemy tribe. This tribe, led by Turgan and his... and... as her teammates search for her. Carter fights to dismantle a series of ground rules on a planet where women are seen as objects instead of human beings. Let me tell you where it went from okay, Stargate to uh-oh. Was, uh, so the opening has them walking onto the planet through the Stargate. Uh, they are yep. there the kids being chased by dogs. Yep. And they scare the dogs off by shooting into the air. Yes. Which uh, the kid is like only kind of startled by, which is its own thing. Yeah. Honestly, um, yeah, honestly, he should have been more startled at the fact that there was a nine millimeter being shot in the air. Cause he has right, absolutely the, no the idea. The people approaching him are wearing totally foreign garb and have totally, foreign weapons to him, but okay. And all he knows is that they make giant bang sounds. Yeah, giant bang sounds. Um, and then, like, he realizes that Captain Carter is a woman, and it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, that could have been handled so much differently. It's like, no offense to the actor, but he just sort of, like, turned around, turned away from her and said, I can't look at her. She's gotta cover her face. She's not allowed to talk. I know, it it didn't feel like it was kind of like a one take, and they're like, yeah, it's good, let's go. Yeah, it didn't, so, I'm not saying that it's not how someone would react to that. It also doesn't make any sense as to the character's motivation. If this truly was a planet ruled and dominated completely by men, where they wanted women to talk, not to talk, and not to be seen, 
he would have immediately grabbed his vest or something and covered her up and then told them to leave, probably. That would make more sense I, to me. Well, I think he would have yelled at them for them to cover their woman because he been, would have assumed that she was her, their property. That would have made more sense in terms of... Because it almost seems like he didn't assume that she was their property. Yeah. And like, so it was like they were... That's they the were, whole thing, like... Come on. Yeah. And it's just, just doesn't make sense motivation wise for that particular one. Yeah. And, and if this sounds like a big uh oh to you, like about like women's rights and everything, this episode is a, a big fat uh oh for women's rights in general. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because and of, it, it doesn't do much to like mitigate that by the end of it. No, everything seems to. St- to end exactly as it started with some right. very exceptions. And we'll get further into that. What's interesting enough is that the history behind this. Oh, speaking of which, how the hell does this guy just all of a sudden know English? Yeah, that, that was another one. It like, doesn't bother me so well, much, but it's because I understand why they, why they have to be able to understand English, but there's like, Daniel Jackson can't speaks have like a hundred episodes of them like speaking, learning to speak the language. So you know that makes sense. But they, they do move on. They do move on, and they yeah. do have encounters with people who don't speak the same language. Like the whole premise of the entire first movie made sense because the people didn't speak English; they speak a dialect or spoke a dialect of ancient Egyptian. Whereas here, all of a sudden, oh, I can understand English. We just. We came from Mongolia, and we obviously speak English now. That makes more sense, right? Right. Like it, it, it would have made more sense if they had spoke the language of the, um, the Gould, right? The yeah, Gould, like an ancient, yeah, and an like Egyptian uh, like, Yelp dialect had to like translate. Yeah, yeah. It would have even made more sense had they just given Doctor Daniel Jackson's uh, character the ability to speak some version of either Mongolian or how whatever whatever specific language that they could speak. Because he can already speak eight languages, including Russian, Mandarin, uh, ancient Egyptian, Egyptian, Gwauld. He ends up learning to speak ancient and all of that jazz. It's crazy. So, like, why not just make him the translator or Tilk the translator? Yeah. Like, keep it a little bit. But that, like I said... That's what makes this episode so terrible. Not the realism of it, because it's obviously science fiction, but the fact that inside of the science fiction there is no degree of realism. Like, they're not even well, following yeah, they're, their own they're version of realism. Following those rules, they're not staying yeah. consistent really with anything. No. And if you look back, you did some history research, just like I did to watch this episode. Uh, Mongol women were actually treated very well. Now they they weren't considered they were considered second class citizens to men in in the uh, early days, but they were also given responsibilities such as uh, learning to fight, learning to ride horses, and all all sorts of responsibilities about keeping safe the home while the men are off raiding. Like they were they were treated well. They weren't treated like shit. 
They do they do address that in the episode. That was a crappy it, throwaway. It's, it's so it, it is. It's such a small moment though. It would be so easy to miss it. Where yeah. like it's a one-off line from the the chieftain um, um Mughal, his name Mughal, is Mughal uh who says uh something about yes, women used to have a much higher station, uh but the demons from the gate uh, would come and get them, so we do this to protect them. And that's literally it. Oh, okay. So first of all, I find that insulting, that an entire race would just decide they have to hide the women. It's not like the gold can't come up and say, oh, I slipped off that headdress. I know what you look like now. You're a woman. They dress them in, in, in freaking crazy stuff, like, Samantha Carter ends up getting dressed in this extremely, extremely uh, delicate slash uh, fanciful dress. <coughs> Excuse me. That, like, you obviously know that's a woman if you understood the culture for half a second. Well, it's not even like the the Gould would just not come in and like suppress everyone and then just take who they wanted, anyways. Like, yeah. they're not gonna have any defense against the the staff weapons they're still yeah. using swords swords and, bows and, bows and, arrows. and arrows so there's this this the sense of realism that they tried to create with the episode doesn't fit at all with their sen- actual sense of realism that they tried to create if you know what i'm saying i know yeah. that's a terrible explanation but it's um, just not consistent within itself yeah it doesn't follow its own rules so Interestingly enough, uh, I'm going to throw this in there. Mughal uh, is played by a man named Soon Tech O. Um, he's seen in such things as Sensei in Beverly Hills Ninja. Oh, I knew I recognized him. Yeah, he's very recognizable from that. I, the dude is like, I wish he was in more stuff. Unfortunately, he did pass away in 2018, but I wish he had been I mean, in, in some more stuff other than, than just some random Stargate episode. Because he would have been fantastic in several different things. It's his voice. That, that movie, Beverly Hills Ninja, is a gem. So <laughs> if you like Chris Farley, you absolutely have to watch that movie. It's so good. 100%. Uh, it's got... Oh, what's that guy's name from Mortal Kombat? It's got... Um, I think his name is Robin something. Are you talking about Kano? No, no, not Kano. I'm talking about Liu Kang. Liu Kang is also oh, in yeah, Beverly yeah. Hills Ninja. He also does the voice of Faju in Mulan. So the father okay. of Mulan in Mulan. Dude has, dude's done a couple of good things. He's He's quite the actor, and I really enjoyed him in this episode, regardless of how I feel about this episode. Well, yeah, it's like this, the same... The same thing with the antagonist of the episode, um, who is played by... So he's played by... The antagonist is called Turgan. He is played by Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa. Shang Tsung from Mortal Kombat or Krull from Planet of the Apes. And it, just a note on this actor. is just the best like antagonist face. This has like... He's got the, the he's, he's got the grooves inside of his face to make him look evil at any given moment. What mm-hmm. I find interesting is that he also is pretty good at switching over to good 
because he played the grandfather in Johnny Tsunami on Disney Channel. I have, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> it's um, it's one of the Disney Channel original movies. It was this this kid from Hawaii with his grandfather Johnny Tsunami, who happened to be a surfing legend, and he he plays that really well too. Believe it or not, even though he's got a consistent evil face, he plays a pretty good grandpa, which uh, I liked. He's a very good actor. I love him. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's a shame that he had to be in this episode. It's a shame he uh, had to be in this episode. Really? Like, he, he does a decent job, but... Uh, he, he does what he can with a crappy script. And that's all you can ask out of him. That's all you can ask. Yeah, yeah. All right, so where were we? So we were on, uh, we just introduced Mughal and Turgon, some of the uh, more important characters of this episode. Uh, they've literally just met Abu. They've just let met uh, Mughal. Um, and they only allow her to live because she managed to save or help save Abu from the dogs. Can't take her life if she's saved a life. Another one of those misogynistic old laws that they run into. So, so they move. So, interestingly enough, they threaten to kill her because she talks in front of them. What they should have done, which would have saved them all of this trouble, was say, oh, maybe we should send Carter back through the gate. She's not an anthropologist. She's a physicist slash scientist slash astronomer. She's she's a genius. She's not an anthropologist. In this particular instance, they're not really doing anything. So they, they put a small little plot device in there, and I hope you caught it, that made it seem as though she had to be there. Do you remember which one? I can't remember that right at this moment. But I can speak to, uh, like, as a scientist, she would have understood to understand a culture. You have to comport yourself as that culture behaves, um, you know, as a courtesy to that culture. And there's this really, like, shitty moment uh, where they're, like, leading her into the tent and... You know, she's just going on and on how she's not going to do it. She's not going to conform to the standards. And it's like, that doesn't fit this character at all. Like, as a scientist, even if they're non-anthropologists, they would know that, like, the best chance of getting what they want is to follow their rules. Yes. Yes, that's true. Um, However, she still didn't really need to be there. The only reason that they kept her around is because they had a um, an anesthetic medicine that they wanted to see. And she would have been the only one qualified enough to judge it simply based on its properties while they I were mean, there. I mean, that's such a, a shitty like excuse, though, because they could just take it back through the gate. Exactly. All they had to do was trade something for it. It's not like they didn't have a couple of things they could have given away. A pair of yeah. boots. Some water, candy bar bar for sure. It's ridiculous. Once again, the 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 realism inside the realism isn't isn't there. So 
they go there, they show them around, they show them the anesthetic and how it works, and they're like, oh, this is interesting. We should really, we should really get to know this more about this. And then they're like, uh, okay, Carter, you got to get dressed like the other women around here. Not Daniel, not Jack, not Tilk. She's got to get dressed like the other women. Yep. She can't it, just put a face. Yes, sir. She can't put something over her face just to cover her, which is the only thing that they mentioned that she needs to do. It's like, okay, why can't she just put this piece of cloth over her face and be good? Why does she have to get all dressed up in everything? Well, Kevin, it's because she is a woman. It's and because... women are supposed to do what the men's says. Ay, ay, ay. It's one of those TV tropes that make no sense. The culture justifies anything kind of crap, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's a here's a fun moment in the episode that you really should check out when you're watching it again, if you decide to watch it. Uh, or if you can, just skip straight to it. Is the is the part where she's finally wearing the dress and the headdress and all that jazzed up stuff she's got on. Uh, they walk in and Daniel and, and Jack are like flabbergasted. Their jaws have dropped to the floor because it's like, oh my god, Carter's a woman. You're a woman? But that's Whoa. not the, that's not the best part. The best part is in the background... Teal'c is looking at them with a very confused look. Like, why are you guys doing this? I don't get what this is anything to do with. Can I just say how little they use Teal'c in this episode? They don't use him as as often as he should get for the like, first couple of episodes. I think he has, like, one or two lines. And like he's the only person that has any sense like in the episode, because like that we know they're historically that they just make bad decisions. Yeah, yeah. They like do. oh, we're gonna stay here. Oh, we're gonna keep the woman here, even though it's definitely more dangerous for her. Then like uh, you got Big Papa T hanging out back there, and he's just like, God, come on, guys, guys, why are we doing this? I don't, I don't like, I don't get it. What's happening here? So. That was one of the good, one of the small little gems of the episode is him staring at both of them in the background, super confused as to their reactions and why they're freaking out about it. Um, and this is like the beginnings of of uh, Jack and Carter's back and forth. It's it really never comes of anything. It's just a small little back and forth that they're having that everyone can see and read between the lines about. At this point, they've shown them the medicine, they've dressed Carter up, and apparently they're going to be staying for the night. Why? In my opinion? Like, why? Yeah, it it doesn't, it wasn't a very long, like, trek from the gate. Well, we, we, they, like I said, they never really show you how time works. You don't know how long, how far away the gate is from the specific encampment. It couldn't have been too far. Like it, well, not enough to just a day. Like definitely like not was... enough to justify staying overnight, especially right. when Carter talking is a threat to her life. You know, come on guys. 
Uh, they do make mention that they're going to be having a party in their honor or something like that. So that's their reasoning. But, like, stay for an hour. After you're done eating for a little bit, then leave. This whole thing could have been avoided if you guys just decided to leave when you should have. We're going to skip that plot device. <clears throat> so, um, after this whole party is going on and, and Carter falls asleep, for whatever reason, in a foreign area with nobody around her. By herself, yeah. By herself, without her weapons. Well, no, she had her weapons. Sorry. She did have her weapons. She had her weapons, but she's sleeping there, and then all of a sudden... I Now, it, it looked like there was more than one person tying her up, didn't it? It was really hard to see. It, that was, it was dark. Because the half her size, really. Especially with all of her training. Like, come yeah. on. There's no way she would have given given up that easily. Just another way of, of screwing her character arc a little bit. Making her the, yeah, da- it, making her the damsel just, in distress TV trope. Like the, the weak character. Yeah. They're just doing her dirty in terms of her character arc. Thankfully, she gets better. And, and honestly, she's one of the highlights of the, of the show because she's so damn clever. And she's a lot more fun. She also becomes a writer and director at some point in the later episodes. Oh, uh, nice. And that's what she ends up doing nowadays most of the time. She doesn't really do acting very much. It's mostly writing, directing. Uh, Amanda Tapping is pretty pretty wild. She's got a lot of cool stuff going on for her. But uh, back, to the, back to the episode. So Abu has captured her. He warns her that if, if she's not going to be compliant, she's going to feel the wrath of Turgon because he's a lot worse than uh, his tribe is. So... Uh, yes, the wrath of Tarragon. Yeah, the wrath of Tarragon. Turgon. So Turgan. so he's like, he's just sitting there eating a potato or eating an apple or something. I don't know. I, I choose to believe that he's sitting there eating a potato. I'm going to go with potato because that's what it looked like to me. He's sitting there mm-hmm. eating a potato pretending to care seems like a total douchebag here and then eventually they get to um Turgan's camp uh played by Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa as we mentioned or Shang Tsung from Shang Mortal Kombat Mortal Kombat Ugh, what a haircut so though on him mine what a terrible haircut that he's got <laughs> yeah I mean, they really were selling the, like, I don't know, this is... The barbarian mongrel. This is barbarian time. <laughs> it's this is terrible haircut. I wish he'd had a mustache, though. Like a very... I mean, like, strictly speaking, like, barbarian movies, like, even, like, Conan had, like, a decent haircut. That's Arnold Schwarzenegger, of course. He had a good haircut. Yeah. I mean, he's literally in a time where, like, they probably didn't even have scissors. So, uh, they were using just like a knife. Yeah, and that was like an immaculate haircut. Yeah, but this was a ridiculous haircut. Obviously, looked like he hasn't washed in weeks. And well, he's he was, a barbarian. He's a barbarian. Apparently, a barbarian, a barbarian with a, <laughs> a code of honor and, and ethics, which is interesting. Abu comes and he's like, "I want to trade this woman." For stuff. No, he's trading a woman for... For another woman. In for this case, woman. Shang Tsung's daughter. 
Naya, who, like, I know they mentioned that they have foreign women there, but yes, I don't they, see they any of they're them. the other group from across the sea or whatever. The play, yeah, the, the place that they say they're from, the Sea of Ogdai. Yeah. Um, but I don't see any in the camp. She does mention that her mother is there, and the moms that we see, or the wives that we see for Dagon, all looked Asian. So how is the other ones in the back in the in the woman warehouse? <laughs> so how is this? How is this girl? I mean, she may be like I don't I don't even know. She doesn't look Asian at all. Um, it's it's weird. It it threw me off, and I'm like, okay, it's interesting that you decided to go that way, but whatever. So he tries to trade uh, Naya or tried uh, trade Carter for Naya and in the middle of the negotiations he's like, I'm not going to give my daughter away to some rando and then it's like, this is, bull- this is bullshit. I'm- and all of a sudden Carter pops up with, that's your dar- daughter, man. And he's like, <laughs> first of all, I'm like, why are you arguing? You're being traded for this other woman. That makes no sense why you would argue at all. Like, I can't yeah, Maybe you... hold off for a second so that you can escape. Yeah, like, why are you... Why are you yelling? Like, Carter, come on. You should be playing this a lot smarter because you are a lot smarter. At least that's what we've been told so far in terms of your character. But you're arguing oh, for love... When you're the one being traded in in the spot of love, like what the hell? Just this is why this this entire episode is just terrible because it was terribly written. Nobody would do any of these things. So, eventually, the deal goes down that he gets three hundred weights of gold for Carter, and then Carter goes along with Mister Shanksung. As we uh, will call him, because Tarragon just doesn't sound right. No, I prefer Shang Tsung over Tarragon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so then, then we discover that um, Teal'c and Daniel Jackson have found out that Carter's missing, and Teal'c apparently is a fantastic tracker. He's got that tracker in him. Another little ed- addition yeah, to yeah. his. Uh, to his repertoire of skills. So what goes on from there is they track him down. They head their way over to the camp. And what's really interesting is is Jack's response to Mughal when they're like, let's wait till tomorrow, and then I can go down there and ask for trade. And Jack's like, why aren't we doing it now? And he's like, well, we'll wait till tomorrow. And then he's like, what about Carter in the meantime? And then he says, well, with his new purchase, he's going to partake in it and then jack's response is oh hell no we're going down there now man <laughs> so then they just like run in all guns a blazing uh to do the trade which like why didn't they do that in the first place like were you what was mughal hoping hoping for turgan to be done with her after one right let's, let's just try let the initial trauma happen and then you know yeah, we're going to let him partake once. Yeah. Maybe he'll be bored afterwards, and it'll be easier, and we'll get it for a cheaper deal. That's I what mean, it I guess like. that's logical thinking to that particular group. But, it would. Yeah. But that is, like, 
Why couldn't you mention that? This is a Showtime show. You could have said something along those lines. Right. It's not like this was on standard cable or even like network television. They could say literally whatever they wanted. Exactly. They literally could have gone crazy with it. But, um, so they managed to go down there. They try bartering for Carter. Uh, Carter ends up causing a distraction to help Naya escape, which honestly seems like it's real easy to escape from these places. Why didn't Carter do it before? Oh, wait, no, she did. Son of a gun. She did. She did try to escape, but she got caught on her Mm -hmm. way out. So why would she help Naya try and escape by creating a distraction when she knows that there's a couple of guys sitting out in the woods waiting to pick up women who try and leave? They try and barter. That just adds to the the badness. They're like, we're going to give you 300. Writing on this episode. Yeah. We're going to give you 350 weights of gold for Carter. It's like, uh, yeah, but she's foreign, and I'd rather have another wife that's foreign. And then they're like 400, and they go 500. And then he's like, no, I'm keeping her. She's mine. And then Jack pulls out a pistol and makes a terrible, another terrible, unstrategic um, or non-strategic decision. Yep. Like why are why are what we gonna give terrible decision? Why were we gonna give a a uh, pistol to a fucking barbarian who could shoot you with it for no reason other than because he wants to? Well, luckily the terrible writing also had them just shoot the gun into the air and waste all the bullets. You can you can because, see you can uh, see my frustration already, and my my ears are smoking in my headset here <laughs> about how terrible. Everything is happening, and it's like, none of this makes sense. This is a terrible written story. What are you doing here? And like, so they do manage. I mean, they do manage. No room to suspend your disbelief with this one, because like, every time you get into it, it breaks your like immersion into it because of like terrible decision making in the writing. And it's not like they couldn't have read through this or done the table reading and made changes at some point they they could have but as we know this was a reworked script from an earlier script that she had already written yeah i mean at any point they could have adjusted it and they didn't no they thought this was a good idea back in the 90s they thought it was empowering for women and they really they missed the mark because the the whole even the fight at the end like yeah that's cool we do know that that does show that Carter's a badass, but the yeah. way that she got to this point nah, doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So they've traded for Carter at this point. They've got her back, and they start on their way back to the gate, and they end up having to, to stop for the night. And then they wake up to Abu running his son, Mughal, Running, this is the first time they've seen Abu since Carter was taken, by the way. They haven't seen him since. So this is Jack, Daniel, and Teal'c not beating the crap out of him for no reason whatsoever. They literally should have beaten him, so should Carter. They should have taken a couple of sticks and just whacked him over the head with it. But they're the heroes of the 
of this and I'm just some asshole talking about it. <laughs> but Yeah, I mean like it pisses it, it pisses me off that they're not more mad about this kid just showing up randomly saying Naya was taken by Turgon's forces and now they're going to stone her and I demand you help me. He didn't ask, he demanded it. And it's like, okay, you walk in here after having stolen Captain Carter and demand from the four fucking people who on this planet want to kick the shit out of you right now? Come on. And their response pissed me off even more. It's like, fuck no. That's my response. Fuck no. We have no f- yeah. we have no quarrel in this fight. Fuck it. Let's get out Have of here. Been like, uh, yeah, no, I'm gonna just uh, fuck off now. Yeah, we're just gonna leave. You can fucking deal with that yourself. And they're like, yeah, you have yeah. to. You got to use your really powerful weapons to get her back. Fucking, we, fucking we why? To. Like, why, so. man? This is literally the first time they've seen him since he disappeared with with Carter, and he's demanding from them that they help. And they do, for whatever reason. It doesn't make sense. Just, just whatever. Because, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense to, like, have, like, specific morals or something that, uh, like, a This isn't even code. about... This isn't even about It's morals. all just, like, uh, they're the good guys, so, you know, anything that they decide to do must be good. I mean, they Which did... Is. Their arguments made more... Made sense. This is a political thing. We really can't. And then all of a sudden, Carter jumps in and says, we really have to help this girl. I'm responsible for her. I'm like, no, no, you're not. No. How are you responsible for her? All you did was help her escape. If she couldn't fucking escape, that's not your problem. At this point, if the anesthetic isn't, like, like all that good, then, like, why would you even ever come back to this planet? Exactly. Like, you can just go. And this is the douchebag who tried to... Who tried to trade you? Like, who's to say he wouldn't try it again on another woman down the line, or one of his, uh, one of the other people from that tribe try it again? Why would you try and help them when all they're gonna do is what they're gonna do? You have no no basis for trust that was built up at all in any capacity. Yeah, I mean, it'd be one thing if it was, like, the, the chieftain coming and saying something. Like, I'm okay with, like, like, the chieftain at this point, his yeah. character makes sense. He's he's a, he's an internal reformist, I think is what the trope that they like to call. Uh, yeah. He mm-hmm. wants it to be the new ways, or back to the old, old ways, where women were respected and they shouldn't be treated like shit. His character his responses so far have made sense in terms of the whole story, even though the story is a little fucked up, but Abu's doesn't make sense. And neither does captain Carter's this whole friggin' time. This kid's coming in here demanding help. And you're like, well, okay, I'll help you. And you're defending him. You're you're defending to help him, even though he tried to trade you and threatened to kill you at some point in the story. Yeah. Like, you've not built up any trust with this kid whatsoever. You're doing it for love. For love. For love. So, now you can see where my frustrations are coming from in terms of why I hate this episode so much. Because it it makes Captain Carter look dumb. 
and she is not a dumb character, and I love her character. Especially some of the shit she does down the line is insane. Absolutely insane. She's the genius who comes up with the last-minute plan to save the world based on the most risky play they can possibly come up with. And you know what? That's what I love about her. She's fucking genius. Um, but yeah, so so they demand, and then they go back, and then a very similar scene happens in the Star Trek Next Generation where Tasha Yar fights off the first wife of Lotan. A uh, similar scene happens where Carter decides she wants to fight Turgon, and they get into a knife fight to the death, essentially. Like, that that action sequence wasn't too bad, actually. Yeah, the action was alright. Like, the swords were pretty cool. Um, especially the uh, type of knife she had. Uh, that was a... What kind of knife was that, did they say? I don't know. It was a good I knife. I his, don't remember. His... At this point, like, the, the oh, bad part of the episode had just, like just drained my ability to concentrate on it. <laughs> yeah. No, it was an Ontario knife. So it was a short, small little dagger uh, about the size of my forearm in terms of length. Um, and if you didn't know, Kevin has a very short forearm. <laughs> think, think T-Rex. Think T-Rex on a person. Uh, so, and he pulls out this ridiculous, um, this ridiculous dagger slash short sword. And he's swinging it all about like a untrained warrior, which makes no sense because he should be trained a little bit. Well, he's the leader. He should have pretty decent skills. I mean, to be the, yeah, to be the leader, he has to be the strongest warrior, usually. So he's waving, he's flailing around with this friggin' sword and she's moving around like a, like a special forces operative. Which makes a whole lot of sense. She's gone Navy SEAL on him, essentially. So she's hand-to-hand combat, kicking his ass, and then eventually gets him to yield. And everyone's good again. They're not going to start war with the other clan. And she can go about her day and everyone's free to leave. It's like, uh, that's a really nice little bow that we tied this story on, isn't it? No, How convenient. All because of one duel. All because the because Mughal happened to know a random, small, unknown fact to anyone in the old law that allows two chieftains to battle it out. Uh, Mughal is saying something that is old law, and like the second he says it, they're like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's a thing. We forgot." And they're taking uh. Jack O'Neill as and Daniel Jackson from what they said earlier in the episode at their word that Captain Carter is a chieftain where they come from. She just happens <laughs> to be one of right. the, the like why couldn't Jack do it? Technically he was the leader. You could actually make the argument that he's the chieftain. Damn it, this just pisses me off. This whole episode pisses me off. <laughs> Talking about it pisses me off. Ah. Thankfully, we're going to get into a good one next week where they go full showtime on it in the Broca Divide. Good. I'm I'm ready for something that has some degree of design 
and sense because I can't I can't take more emancipation. I can't take. <laughs> oh man! But uh, emancipation once again. My rating for it is a solid one, if not a zero, in terms of rewatchability. Oh yeah, absolutely. Catherine, it absolutely earned that one. Catherine it Powers, one so really, hard. you should have been a little less lazy when it came to came to the writing, because this is pretty much very similar. Yeah. Don't reuse your homework. Don't there. reuse homework that obviously didn't work the first time around. Nobody cared for it then. Nobody cares for it now. It is the worst. Maybe it'll work episode. now. Let's try it in 10 years and see what happens. The Paroka Divide is going to be even better next week. So catch us again. What, are, uh, what do we think? Um, what are we sponsored by today? Ooh, The smell today, of chicken, chicken nuggets. We are sponsored by the smell of chicken, chicken nuggets, nuggets. But not chicken McNuggets. We're talking... Our own homemade chicken nuggets. Yes, yes. The, when life gets the you down, chicken nuggets meat. will bring that frown upside down. Yep, chicken nuggets. Chicken They'll nuggets, bring everyone. that comfort home to you. You want to smell? Can you? Can you? We'll, we'll put that in a Febreze can. <laughs> do you want to? How smell? do we get the? How do we get a chicken nuggets uh, in a Febreze can? Uh, okay, you grind chicken them up smell. real small. And then you cut off the bottom of the Febreze can with an angle grinder. If anybody grinder, from Febreze and then you jam them in there, I need and chicken then you nuggets. Squeeze them real hard until it's mostly water, and you take out the stuff that's not watery chicken nugs, and then you uh, pressurize it. There you go. I clearly need chicken nuggets. Sprayable right chicken nuggets with fries. <laughs> so, <laughs> once again, sponsored by Chicken Nugget Smell. And Just the smell. Just the smell. Just the smell. And we'll see you next week on Stargate Sundays. Stargate Sundays. Uh, next week's episode, The Broker Divide. It's going to be good. Mm-hmm. We're going to see some very interesting stuff. But stuff. I'm not going to. Yeah, I'm not going to get into it. I don't want to. Uh, are there things there as well? There's going to be things. Things and sure. stuff. Oh my god! Whoa, guys, can we handle that? But in the meantime, get get outside, get that chicken nugget smell. Get that chicken nugget smell, touch some grass, feel good. Right. We'll see you next week. Yes, we'll see you next week. Please enjoy the rest of uh, your day. This has been Kevin and Ryan on Stargate Sundays. Uh, we wish you seven days to Rock and Stone Guardians. Rock and Stone. Yeah.